What's up? It's Andy Grammer with Jag. Hi, this is Carly Rae Jepsen, and you're listening to Jag. Hi, everybody. It's Joe Jonas hanging with Jag. This is Heather Knox with the hottest Jag I've ever seen. Ryan Seacrest with Jag. It's B.O.B. checking in with my homie Jag. So much swag with my homie Jag. It's the Jag Show Podcast. Welcome in. Very excited about today's guest. And as most of you know, I am based here in Metro Detroit, where my wife and I have made our home, and I absolutely love it here. But I always say that I have dual citizenship because I grew up in the Boston area. Boston is very near and dear to my heart. I have most of my family there. And a very good friend, kind of the dean of podcasting in Boston, if I may say so myself, David Yaz from the Boston Podcast Network is my guest today. Welcome. Thanks, man. Yeah, I am a wicked, wicked big deal in Boston, man. Doing the podcast, <laughs> been doing them forever, man. Wicked uh, you're good, you're good people, John. I'm so glad to be on the call with you. I don't really talk like that. Sorry. <laughs> but the way you introduced me. I only do after a couple of bever- adult beverages. So <laughs> right. you are kind of a renaissance man. You've been in the newspaper business. You're an attorney. You started the podcast network. If you could just sort of take me through your journey professionally and how you ended up where you are now running this Boston podcast empire. Yeah, I still trying to figure out my story, John, as many of us do. I don't know when, when I, you know, I'm, I, I turned 50 uh, a couple of years ago, but you know, failed at many things as I like to say, but you know, when you, when you give advice to young people, I, I always say have a plan and then be ready for the Mike Tyson principle. That's everybody has a plan until you get punched in the mouth. So mm-hmm. my career has taken a lot of twists and turns, educated as a lawyer, thought I wanted to be like a sports agent. I found out it's really not that much fun to be a sports agent. It's actually a pain <laughs> in the ass and, and, and you're dealing with a lot of grimy, slimy people. Um, I did work for a sports agent for a, a brief while and then did the lawyer thing a little bit, went over to a newspaper called Lawyers Weekly, ran that for, I was ended up being there 15 years all told, writer, editor, the whole deal. And it was really kind of a dream job to put, you know, a creative stroke on what had been a legal you know, background in, in education, uh, something fun to do with the law degree. So I was loving it. And then I don't know if you heard, but the newspaper industry all of a sudden took a turn and wasn't quite what it used to be. Only thing worse than the radio industry where I came from. So I feel your pain. <laughs> I know their misery loves company and uh, eventually did some other things, went into finance. But the this podcast thing has kind of always been there. I actually started doing them as, I don't know, I don't know if you remember when you did your first podcast, John, I know you come out of radio, but I remember doing one in 2008 and I'm almost surprised that I knew what a podcast was in 2008, but I, Oh, for sure. Yeah. But did them at lawyers weekly for a little while. The challenge was trying to get people to figure out what they were, of course, but back then it was probably like 10% of people knew actually what one was, what is that all about? And mm-hmm. once you hear what it is, you're like, oh, okay. Like, it's not ex- exactly that complicated. It's, it's on-demand radio. Think of it that way. That's how I explain it to clients, yeah. Yeah, and so I knew that coming out of the professional world and having all my contacts in finance, law, I know a ton of lawyers, and uh, a lot of these professionals, they want podcasts and they don't know what they're doing. So kind of took the leap to go full-time on this a couple of years ago, opened a studio in Westwood, Mass, and having fun. And you've got a whole team there. It's, I mean, a lot of podcast editors and creators are, are one-man banding it, but you've got a, a team there. Tell me about your team. Well, my uh, right-hand person, Carrie Tabaski, is awesome. She's been running the show since we got started, just kind of um, uh, a lot more organized than I am. I'm the creative sort, and she's making the trains run on time. Mm-hmm. And then I, I have a, a, just a host of freelancers, editors, and really the Boston Podcast Network kind of got rolling with the help of 
kind of an informal gang of podcasters. We wanted good talent on the network, on the website. And so some former radio people like John Meter Perel, some comedians like Nick Stevens, who is uh, really a personality here in Boston. AKA Fitzy, right? That's right. He goes by the Alta Ego. It's your old pal Fitzy. Yeah. I love the Fitzy Patriots videos for sure. Yeah, if you're a, even if you're not a fan of of New Englanders, he he's got an accent, but he amps it up for this Fitzy character. It's hilarious uh, videos, mm-hmm. Pat's fans say, and other stuff he does in the character Fitzy. He, so he was one. He started a kind of a, a movie fan podcast called Shawshanked with a bunch of his crew. <laughs> so there's always been sort of a little bit of a Pod Six One Seven family, and um, going strong, adding new new faces, new voices, you know, week to week. So it's been good. How many shows approximately do you have right now, Dave? On the website, we're talking close to, I want to say, three dozen. Now, some of those are in different phases of production. Some of them actively producing weekly. Some of them, you know, did a season and just kind of called it quits for then. And as you know, Johnny, like there's no rules when it comes to podcasting. So, yeah. you know, you, you could do it for so many different purposes. You could do it just to, you know, I've uh, divorce lawyers that they just want to do the basics of divorce podcasts. So they did a limited series just talking about the various components. That was good for them to show off their knowledge. And then you have others that absolutely want to go out weekly to build that audience brick by brick. I don't even know how many podcasts I've produced <laughs> over the course of this thing. It's It could be approaching the thousands. I'm not sure. That brings up a good point, though. You talk about the divorce lawyers there because there are folks who want to keep cranking out content weekly or monthly or whatever it is. But when you create a podcast, that content can live forever. So if you're a divorce lawyer and you do a five, six episode series on the basis of divorce, that's a resource that you can point people to that you can always link back to from social media, from emails, from the website, as opposed to like a TV or a radio ad that it's gone into the ether after it airs. Absolutely. And people need to know that when they produce podcasts is that your audience is going to consume it in ways that is just a lot different than like a radio show or a TV show. You know, for podcasts, there is no, hey, did you catch that thing the other night? Or every once in a while, a client will ask me, so when do I need to tune in? It's like, no, you don't, there is no, (laughs) when you want to. And the cool thing, what you said is it it can be multi-purposed over the course of year. I mean, unless you're doing sort of a current events podcast, which is most of them aren't, right? Most of them are kind of topic specific. And a good podcast, I don't know about you, I'll discover, you rarely discover it on episode one. You usually discover it, you know, at best in episode seven or something. If you dig it, you're going to go back and listen to one through six. Yeah. And the other thing is, if you're a professional, say, you know, these divorce lawyers, say they do something on, you know, alimony, and then let's say the alimony law, um, there's some quirk in the alimony law, some questions about it that comes up in the news. A reporter can find that podcast you did like six months ago and say, oh, geez, you, you you already covered this. Now let's go with this. The one example I had of that is I've been doing the Boston podcast for years going back to, uh, I don't know, years. I'm old. But anyway, at one point <laughs> early in the run of the pod, we had interviewed Whitey Bulger's lawyer, Jay Carney. And it was one of the best interviews I ever did. He divulged all this stuff that, I mean, Whitey Bulger was at the time of my interview with him was in jail, like the case was over, but still lawyers, lawyers are usually pretty tight lipped when it comes to details of what clients have said to them. And he was telling us stories about how Whitey described in detail, all the murders he did going down the list going, yeah, oh, we, I remember killing that guy, but that guy was a jerk. You ask any guy in Southie, that guy deserved it. <laughs> he goes, oh, this guy, this, yeah, I mean, me and my partner, our eyes were like bulging because we couldn't believe he was telling all this stuff. He said, oh yeah, I remember that. I went, me and Steve Flemmy went up to this guy's house. 
And the guy said, hey, what's up? And we said, guess what? You're dead. Except my gun jammed. So Flummy had to shoot him in the head. <laughs> All this was on a podcast. So the reason that was a little long winded. But the reason I bring it up is when Whitey passed away, passed away when he was killed in prison. We, um, you know, we revived that podcast. And that's that's people were, you know, they, most of them hadn't heard it maybe the first time. It's like, wow, listen to all these stories about Whitey. So I have to go back and listen to that now. And I'm going to have to link to that episode in our show notes from this episode, oh, yeah, too, yeah. because hearing Whitey Bulger's lawyer tell stories about how he killed people. Oh, I God. think that might be of interest to some. Yeah, well, you've been there, John, where you're doing an interview and you don't necessarily know what to expect. And that, to me, is one of the great sort of adventurous elements of podcasting is when a guest, you know, reveals something that you didn't think they were going to talk about. But, you know, podcasting is intimate. You get a couple people, maybe as many as four, but, you know, they're they're having a conversation and we want to listen into it as the listener. And if they go down some unusual path and start to tell some story, that's we go with them. One of my favorite interviews I ever did when I was in radio, but it would have applied just as well if it were a podcast, was um, when I was working in New Orleans it was ahead of WrestleMania 30 coming to New Orleans, and I got to do a half-hour interview over the phone with Mick Foley. If you're a WWE oh, guy, oh yeah, wow, I'm jealous. I got to hear that. And I think the 30 minutes that we the interview ran, I think I spoke for about 90 seconds, <laughs> and I just hung back and let him tell stories. And I was like, "Tell me about being, you know." Choke slammed through a steel cage into a bed of thumbtacks. Tell me about getting thrown off the cage through the announcer's table. You know, tell me about this, that, and the thing. And he was so gracious and so nice. And just, uh, and I'll link to that. I'll, I'll link to this uh, from the show notes as yeah. well. But, but just hearing him tell stories as I'm not as big a wrestling fan as I used to be, but hearing just him tell these incredible stories of these iconic moments of his career, I just, you know, I knew at that point just to zip it and let him talk and just let him go. Yeah, and the, that's a skill that many podcasters don't pick up until later on because, you know, a lot of people, they think they've got a great interview, they've got their list of questions, and they want to get through them. And they soon learn is a recipe for a potentially boring podcast because it shouldn't be programmed. Yeah, I'll never forget, I did a podcast uh, doing an interview with a guy who was the first openly gay appellate judge in Massachusetts, a guy named David Mills, super, super guy. Mm -hmm. But he was telling us this story about how he, he went to, as a, as a young Irish kid, he went to, I believe, BC and BC Law School and how it was such a difficult time for him as a gay oh. man back in that period. And his voice started cracking as he's telling the story. And um, for once in my life, I, I, I listened to the voice in my head that said, Dave, shut up. Don't say anything. Don't interrupt him. <laughs> let him go. There's a little bit of silence. He's trying to catch his, he's trying to, you know, gather his thoughts and wipe away some tears. Let him do that. And it turned out to be a great interview. I mean, but, and you know, touching and all that Mick Foley, I, I think he is, you, you were kind enough to call me a Renaissance man. That guy's a Renaissance man. He's, he's got such a depth of character. He's interesting. Yeah. And he is, he is such a great poster child for wrestling, which I was kind of a, a little bit of a fan back in the Hulk Hogan days. My son got into it for a little while. I'm not a wrestling freak or anything, but I'm fascinated by the what they do. And he explains in great detail how they take such pride in putting on that show. Yeah. For years and years, you know, people of our generation would be like, well, it's fake. It's fake. And that misses the point. The point is that it's an it's it's an amazing show that they take so seriously. So I don't watch it a lot now. My wife and I, you know, had to make an agreement when we uh, moved in together that we each have one veto over television. Oh. And so I said, I veto any of those awful Real Housewives shows. I do not <laughs> want to be in the room and have that on my television. Good on and you. And she said, okay, I veto wrestling. Oh, that hurts. So I only watch wrestling if like she's not around. I don't watch as much as I used to, but I was big on it in college. 
And then, you know, it was all my college buddies that came to New Orleans for WrestleMania 30. And, you know, the entertainment value is so high. I had, uh, I think, the tag team champions in the studio at one point to interview them. And they just basically took the microphone out of my hand physically, <laughs> took the mic and just went. And I said, and I actually, I actually just crumpled up my my sheet to your point, David, with the questions on it, and just threw it across the room and said, yeah. okay, I'm just going to hang back and let you two go nuts for you know half an hour, and it was fantastic. And that is an art form too, the the way they hype themselves and the way they oh, yeah. tell stories. And so I was watching a documentary on Muhammad Ali re recently, and. Maybe this is obvious to Ali fans, but I saw this clip where he said he got his style of talking to the press and the way he would talk to Howard. Famously, one of the most charismatic athletes, probably the most charismatic athlete ever, would talk to Howard Cosell. Let me tell you something, Howard. I'm a bad man. I'm beautiful. You look at me. You, you're dazzled by my beauty right now. And whatever. I'm not doing it justice, obviously. But he said in this doc that he learned that from gorgeous george the wrestler no kidding yeah who would who would obviously do the the pro wrestling thing come out and say i am the most beautiful specimen ever talking about how beautiful it was and he was a heel people hated him mm -hmm. and ali was po obviously was polarizing as well knew he was going to get some haters but knew that people would come out to his fights if nothing else to see what he was going to do next you know is that old adage about howard stern the people who hated him listened longer than the people who loved him because they couldn't wait to see what he's gonna do next yep that, that's funny you said that that was in my head actually i almost finished the sentence with howard stern but you did it so good on you it's just good you and i are usually on the same page that's so. why you're a good podcaster Jim, right? <laughs> so i'm looking at the uh, soundproofing behind you are you in a studio or are you home right now home studio for now you know world's changing everything and i'd rather be in the proper studio but no one's meeting me there for the time being so i mean with a little bit of soundproofing and the equipment you know you and i have used the same mixing board and not everybody needs this to do a good podcast but you know it doesn't take much you know quiet room and a decent mic and off you go which leads me into my next question for you david which is about coronavirus and how things have adjusted for you and how have you adjusted to working with your clients and adjusted your business in these uncertain times? <laughs> you stole my line. Well, the thing is, we've been, and I'm sure you have too, I've been doing remote podcasts since I opened Pod 617. So that's going back a few years and we've always been comfortable with it. What's kind of cool about this, you know, silver lining department is we've gotten better at it. And, and you and I compare notes all the time. What's the best platform to record somebody on? Do you want to do a video call or a non-video call? Mm -hmm. And then all the stuff we do afterwards, it's not the easiest thing to do, right? If, I mean, people patch somebody in, I've heard plenty of podcasts where it's just like the host voice is nice and clear and the, the guest voice, you just can't even hear them. And whether they called in and and so we get better at doing that. And the goal, of course, is to make it sound like you're sitting next to one another. And um, oh, sure. Yeah. Yeah. But it's this. I mean, I don't need to tell you I'm not like a genius by saying this will continue. In other words, right now, 100 percent of the podcasts we're producing are, are remote. In the past, it was probably about 20 percent more remote. I think over the next year, I don't know if you agree, we'll probably see about 50 50. Some people are going to want to come back. Some people are going to kind of say, well, if it ain't broke, don't fix it. You know, if it sounds good, recorded remotely. What do you think about that? Well, I mean, I think to draw a parallel, my wife works in corporate finance and she has been working from home since mid-March. And there are people in her company that need to physically be in the office because there's stuff they need to do in the office. But her department doesn't need to be. They're doing everything over Google Hangouts. They're having all their meetings. They're sharing screens. 
you know, and there's been debate about, okay, well, do we go back? Do we go back with masks? And my wife's department's like, no, we're just as effective working here from home, if not more effective. Mm -hmm. So I think for a lot of folks, it's going to come down to, you know, we can do this effectively. So maybe some folks are going to work from home two or three days a week. Maybe some folks are going to commute less. Maybe companies are going to save on overhead. And the technology, you know, I've said that it's almost a blessing that this pandemic happened now and we have the technology to stay in touch with each other over FaceTime and all that kind of stuff. But even in the world of podcasting, you know, you're sitting there in Boston, I'm sitting here in Detroit, and it sounds like we're in the same room because of the technology. I think there's going to be a lot of options for people to do this going forward. 50-50 might be a good number where yeah. we have this whole idea of, okay, let's just do it remotely. And I have clients all over the country. But there are some folks that I'll probably have here locally that as things open back up and as things settle down, maybe they will prefer to be in person. And I can make that happen, and I know you can too, and they can come to your studio but I think it's almost more efficient because now I'm not dealing with travel time to drive to a client or your Correct. client's not driving to your studio or having to buy all this studio grade stuff where really all you need to record remotely and sound good is a $100 USB microphone and a pair of cheap headphones that you and I can make it sound good. Yeah, no doubt. And I think the technology is going to make a leap. That's my prediction. You're going to start seeing innovations that probably existed before, but I think the tech companies are going to really ramp this stuff up. So I'm talking about like what, what, and maybe you and I have talked about this before, but we've got these beautiful, everybody has a beautiful HD TV by now because they're, you know, they're cheap. Yeah. Or you could pick one up for like 300 bucks or something. They don't typically come equipped with cameras, but I think they will. I think that will become standard. And then you'll have a Zoom app or whatever app right on your screen. So you can dial somebody up. Obviously that's not like weird science fiction, that technology already exists. It's just not commonplace. Mm -hmm. And other things like high screen projectors, or I think I, I wouldn't be surprised if virtual reality nudged its way into the business world, because in theory, you could do a great podcast by virtual reality. So it's going to seem like you're really sitting across the table from somebody. You're uh, you're a little avatar is going to be beamed into my studio here and I'll be looking at, uh, looking at you sitting across the room from me. Yeah. Yeah, my avatar looks just like Brad Pitt. So just be prepared to be dazzled. Mine looks like Howie Mandel. <laughs> You're a much younger version of Howie Mandel, and I hope you don't have his aversion to, to germs because poor Howie. I hope right now I do. This 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 year I do. <laughs> poor Howie. I hope somebody's checked on him. He must be. He, he must be. And then again, maybe not. Maybe this is actually his his paradise because he gets to stay home and just stay germ free and not have to go. You know, yeah, touch anybody. Enough. At any rate, those are my very um, humble predictions is that we'll see more and more of this. And, you know, it'll get better. It's like Zoom, for example. I mean, what we're talking on Squadcast now. I know not a sponsor of your show. Not yet, but wake up, Squadcast. Get on that. I do promote them heavily, and I and I am a uh, brand ambassador. Oh, you are? Oh, cool. I am actually part of their ambassador program. I'll throw that legal disclaimer out there since I'm talking to a lawyer. <laughs> and the thing that is good about Squadcast is it's, to me, and I learned this from you, it's best at approximating talking to someone and being able, I mean, when you're, when you're talking face-to-face -face with someone, you're reading body language, you can see, you know, them giving you nonverbal feedback and the conversation flows. Sometimes on a Zoom call, like there's a little bit of a hitch mm. and a lot of my podcasts I do sometimes Zoom by necessity or whatever, but there'll be that little moment where people are talking over each other and they don't even realize they're talking over each other. You know, that wouldn't happen in person. But sometimes, you know, people, there's different qualities of internet connections, there's different yeah. qualities of headphones and all that stuff. 
but this is as good as it comes and that's that's what you want and so it's it's absolutely doable to have a pocket you know I, I would never claim that the virtual one i mean the you know the remote ones are 100 percent as good as the live ones sure but i think i think you can get up over 90 percent just in terms of the flow of conversation how how good it sounds so in terms of the business of podcasting dave he's something that you and i have talked about uh, a lot offline Something I like that you're doing is, as a lot of your clients are recording remotely, almost out of necessity right now, you've started this program where you're going to send them a mic to do it. Can you walk us through that? Yeah. Well, our business is no secret. People hire us to produce their podcasts. So people will pay us yeah, anywhere from uh, 300 to 700 bucks an episode, depending upon length and all other kinds of stuff and how much work we put into it. Mm-hmm. But if if you're going to work with us, then we want you to have the best stuff. And so I don't charge my clients for that. I send as soon as you want to get started and send you out a USB mic, the one recommended by John Gay and the Jag podcast. Um, and uh, it's Fisher Price. You plug it in and they're good to go. And it's a shame to me when I hear podcasts or even anybody on the interviewing on the news these days when they don't have a mic. In fact, Everyone should have one period, I think, John, because like, yeah, everyone's doing these Zoom calls. And if you're a professional doing a Zoom call, whether it's for networking or education or it's an internal meeting in your company or it's a client, why not sound great? You know, it's not hard, <laughs> right? It's not it's not hard. I send them mics. Like you said, they, they range. The good ones range from 60 to 120 bucks somewhere in there. And you sound uh, terrific. And then, you know, when you plug in the headphones, I always like to be able to hear myself back through my ears, some people who do it for the first time, they're like, Ooh, I don't like this. I don't like the sound of my own voice, but you should know what your voice (laughs) sounds like because that's that's what people are hearing on the other end. Right? Yeah, exactly. If you're talking right into the computer, you're, you're leaning over, you're poorly lit, you know, you're just, you're not going to make as much of an impression on a call as you could do otherwise with just a couple simple tasks. For the uh, podcast geekery uh, that are listening right now, I will say this. So I, this new podcast series that I've started, Michigan Motors Forward, which is a th- thanks to our friend Catherine O'Brien for the idea. It's focusing on Metro Detroit businesses that are adapting with the current situation and giving back to the community. And I have actually had to do a lot of these calls over Zoom and a lot of them on a built-in laptop mic and somebody might be in their living room with a lot of echo and reverb. Um, Isotope Elements, or Isotope, which is an audio software company based out of Cambridge, Massachusetts. Hey, go okay. They have some really great uh, high-end audio software. And the latest one that they have is called RX7 Advanced. They actually have a software plugin called Dialog D Reverb. Mm-hmm. And it's not 100%, but it is, uh, it is very useful if somebody is in a room where they've got a lot of <laughs> echo... Uh, it's, you know, it actually is pretty good at pulling out a lot of that echo and making it sound a little bit better. So shout out to Isotope and their great software. Yeah. And I've used similar things in the past and, uh, that's terrific because it's night and day sometimes before and after when you, when you use something like that, but I, I still wish everyone should get a good mic. I, <laughs> I was, I was, um, you might've even seen, cause I know we converse on Facebook sometimes that I had a, a mild rant after Saturday Night Live did their first at-home mm-hmm. episode. Now, mind you, the last two have been outstanding. I think it's the it's one of the proudest moments of that show. I'm a big fan of the show. Yeah. Grew up on it. But that first one they did, 
was lousy and in large part they didn't even bother to get microphones out to their talent you know they got like a dozen actors you know mm-hmm. send them out the silly mics you could see the, the shipping companies are still shipping i'm getting my mics out to people and typically in three days i think you recommended best buy to me and i just used that for a, a new client recently so thank you for that tip. yeah it hasn't failed me yet there are a few of them but Best Buy still delivering on time. I don't know about Amazon Prime. Sorry, Amazon Prime, but I yeah, know Amazon's been hit and miss. But a couple of these specialty companies like uh, like B and H out of New York or Sweetwater out of Fort Wayne, Indiana, those are these are what these companies specialize in. So definitely worth giving them a look. Right. And now the like SNL has figured out as long as they, they have a half decent camera and a microphone that doesn't catch all the echo in these people's apartments and homes. Then, and it's a good lesson for podcasters, right? The rhythm of the show seems familiar. Yes. And plus what they're doing is comedy. It's difficult. If the timing is off, then it's going to suck. <laughs> you know, And, and especially with no studio audience to laugh. Exactly. And that's why some people say, well, the weekend update is lousy. And I say, you know what? It's, it's actually pretty good. It's at least as good as the jokes are. And eventually you get used to not hearing the laughter. So I'm a big fan of John Oliver. I think he's hysterical and really does it better than anybody in that political satire biz. And he's been doing his shows, you know, from his home, like blank screen behind him. He's, he just says he's broadcasting or recording from a void of some sort. <laughs> no audience. Usually the energy of the audience is a big part of that show. Sure. But his stuff is good. And so I, you know, I provide the laughter. If I'm, if, you know, if it's funny, I'm, I'm going to laugh. And I think we're all getting a little bit more used to that as well. No, I think so. And I'm a fan of John Oliver and I've actually been tuning out of some of the comedy and news stuff because I've just been burnt out on COVID and just and, and yeah. the depression of it lately. But I am going to go back and check him out. Last thing I want to ask you, David, since you are in my hometown, what is the uh, feeling in Boston right now with regard to the lack of sports in such a big sports town and city of champions and all that? I What is the uh, general sense of Red Sox, Patriots? I mean, where are we at right now? Everything. Everything sucks, man. <laughs> no pats, no socks. I want my Fenway Frank. Um, you know, it's 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 just weird. You know, I, yeah, every once in a while I'll have a day when I realize I'll be at home around dinner time. But I could have the socks on TV right now. It would be nice. You know, in a way, maybe weirdly, it came a good time for Boston sports because yeah. Tom, Tom Brady... <laughs> Tom Brady left town. Like I, I, I had every day I wake up and I go, wait a minute, Tom Brady's on the Buccaneers now. <laughs> like it, it's still weird to think that. And so football could start on time. Who the hell knows? Right. You know, the Sox were coming off of, I mean, I don't think the sign stealing thing was such a big deal as everyone else does, but still it's mm-hmm. the, the stink is on. We have to ship our manager out of town because of that sign stealing thing. The Red Sox look like they're rebuilding. I guess it could have been an okay time, but we love our sports in Boston. Obviously, as you know, it's um, the only saving grace around here is we got our market basket, we got donkeys, and we got the packy stores if you need to get some beer. I do recommend whether you're a Boston person or not to follow people of Market Basket on Facebook because <laughs> they have some tremendous memes. And have you seen, uh, if, you miss, if you're missing the Sox, have you seen Josh Cantor's seventh inning stretch on Facebook? I have not. So Josh Cantor, who is the Fenway Park organist, every day at about 3 o'clock, he does a Facebook Live, and he takes requests, and he plays the organ for like I whatever song you want. So it's seventh inning stretch on Facebook. I highly, highly recommend checking it out to have a little slice of baseball as we miss it. That's great. It also recalls one of the most tired uh, riddles in Boston sports history, and that is who's the only man to have played for the Celtics, the Bruins, and the Red Sox. And that is? 
John Kylie, the organist who was family ah, born. <laughs> He's played for all of them. You get it? There you go. Isn't it Dale Arnold is the only one who's done play-by-play for all four teams? Is that true? I think. I'd have to double-check that. If so, that's too bad. I'm not a huge fan. He's okay, but whatever. No, I like Dale, but all right. Anyway. <laughs> like all right. <laughs> David Yaz, The Boston Podcast, and Pod 617. How do people find you? Go to pod617.com. All of our shows are there and everything else. If you, if you search wherever you find your podcast, you, I recommend searching Pod 617. You'll find all the shows they produce, including my show, The Boston Podcast, which... Just moments from now, we'll feature an interview with the great John Gay. So so now by the time this episode comes out, my interview on your podcast will be out, and we'll link to that in the show notes as well. Right. David, I've really enjoyed getting to know you over these last couple months in our in our group chats uh, among podcast editors, and then also we have so much in common with Boston. I think we think a lot, too, and not just because uh, we're both from the same yacht over there. Yeah, you <laughs> You're good people. Long story short, I'll talk to you in a heartbeat, John Gay. All right. Um, thank you. Thank you so much. And and just keep keep it up, man. I mean, strength in numbers, us podcasters, different parts of the country. We just got to keep on, as as you uh, as your podcast mentions, keep what is it? Keep trucking, keep motoring, keep motoring. Oh, Michigan Motors Forward. Yeah, so there we go. I, I like but it. But so does podcasting. So you got it. David, yes, thank you for your time today. Always great to talk to you. Wicked good chat today. We'll talk soon. Thanks for listening to the Jag Show podcast. If you like what you heard, be sure to subscribe in Apple, Spotify, Google, or wherever you get your podcasts. New episodes are published every Tuesday and Friday morning. For help with your podcast, find JAG on social media at JAG in Detroit or on the web at jagindetroit.com. <laughs>